Llegó la hora de ponerte las pilas y prepararte para las fiestas en The Home Depot. Porque al comprar una herramienta Ryobi seleccionada, te llevas gratis una batería extra Ryobi OnePlus. Sí, una batería extra gratis para que le saquen jugo a un regalo útil y duradero. Visita una tienda o recibe entrega gratis en más de 2 millones de productos elegibles por Internet. Ponte las pilas y haz que las fiestas sean mágicas con los regalos de The Home Depot. Haces más, logras más. Hi, this is Kevin McCullough. Thanks for listening to the Christian Outlook podcast, where we cover today's issues from a perspective that honors your Christian faith. Our podcast is brought to you through a partnership with the Pepperdine Graduate School of Public Policy. Here's another piece I trust you'll enjoy. I was on the um, the Next Door app. You're familiar with it, Kath? Oh, are you kidding me? Right. First of all, when you say that you're on the Next Door app, yeah. either either you you have very little in your life. <laughs> no, or, it's citizen journalism. It, it, it's We're something about that like later. that. No, it is. It on and, my, on, <laughs> and cats. <laughs> On my next door app, there's so much information about local cats, I can't get over it. It is. Citizen journalism. Anyway, I'm I'm looking at next door today, and someone's going, hey, I'm afraid my, you know, I'm a people's gas customer, and someone told me my gas prices are going to rise 60% this winter, because things are going to be crazy. Jerry Boyer's with us. Jerry's been a regular guest on our show for many years. He he is an economist, an author as well, and uh, a podcaster. Jerry, welcome back to the show. Good to see you. Uh, great to be with you. Hey, next door. I mean, you're being a good neighbor. I am, right? <laughs> Citizen journalism. Right, love God, love your neighbor, mm-hmm. and sit through their cat stories. <laughs> There's a lot. Okay, of them. but are That's you the on love of neighbor? Are you on next door, Jerry? <laughs> I, I, I'm on next. Okay, see there you go. Uh-huh. <laughs> I, I get a notification. Yes. You know yep. something about oh a coyote yes. spotted yes. right, and I'm oh coyote. Uh, I'm worried about my cat. Yeah. Nah. Um. I mean, he's, he's down to three legs. We don't want to lose any more. Right? Um, so I click on it, and then it makes me log in, and I forgot my login. So mm. I know little snippets of information right. about dangerous animals and suspicious-looking people <laughs> in, walking around the neighborhood. Yes. Someone suspicious was lo- walking down such and such street, but I don't know any more about it. Right. I, that's probably about enough. I'm good with that. So being half-informed could be worse than... I don't know the alternative, it's or maybe the, worse than. Uh, it's the age we live in, right? Newspapers pretty much are gone, so we're relying on rumor and innuendo. Yes. Mm-hmm. All right. Anyway, Which might be a step above newspapers. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. So, how? I mean, we we know the heating prices are going to go up. I mean, at least we're not in Europe. I can't imagine what people are thinking there. But in trying to plan ahead, today's the first cold. I mean, I was outside today because my car broke down, and. It was pretty cold. It made me think about what we might be looking forward to. Yeah. Um, sorry about your car. Um, you, you know, when you take it in, you can get a dental visit at the same time if you, if you like, coordinate things <laughs> properly. Um, Thank you for listening. Sure. Can you believe the guy's the same street as Fontana? I, I, it's, it's amazing. It's absolutely amazing. Breaking news. I'm just, it's on I'm next sorry, door. What was the question? I forgot what the question is. <laughs> the question is, we're looking forward to a cold winter. I mean, what are your thoughts on that? <laughs> it, 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 winter, yes, winter will be colder. Yes, thank Two, you. Two, it'll be more expensive to make it less okay. cold. Uh, three, thank God we're not in Europe. Yep. Um, four, let's take a moment here and say it's not just geography uh, that makes Europe a problem. It's public policy. Mm-hmm. And since we are moving in similar public policy directions – 
to the directions that made Europe so incredibly vulnerable to this energy crisis, mm -hmm. maybe we stop, pump the brake for a moment. Um, uh, you know, you, could you still do that even without the catalytic converter? <laughs> pump the brake for a moment and say, do we really want to get rid of fracking mm -hmm. uh, and go with, I don't know, solar panels and windmills, given the fact that Europe has had two great experiments with this uh, in our generation? One is they did it in the aughts and early 10s. Um, and they spent all this money on green energy. It didn't work out. And that triggered the European debt crisis, which troubled the continent from about 2010 to 2015. And again, now that's more in the Mediterranean area. That was mainly a Spain, Italy thing. And then Germany and um, Northern Europe doing their own experiments with green energy, um, which now have left them completely vulnerable to either extortion from Russia or to terroristic attacks on the infrastructure. So can we look at that and see that as a cautionary tale? I hope we can. Now, wait, Chair. You know, uh, less than a decade ago, you'd be driving around and you'd see all these pickup trucks with Texas and Oklahoma license plates. These were the frackers. Everyone's selling their farmland in Butler County or Westmoreland County to the frackers. What happened? I mean, fracking hasn't gone away, has it? Well, one of the things that happened is that the price of natural gas dropped a lot. I mean, recently it's gone up tremendously, but it had been going down for several years. Um, and so there was less fracking going on because the natural gas was, you know, less costly. Well, why was it less costly? Because we produced a lot of yeah. it. That, that's a good thing. That's a nice thing. When you produce so much of an essential good or service that the price drops, um, then, you know, and that, that's good for consumers. It's not so good for the frackers, but that's the risk of business. You get in there, you and you make investments, you make a lot of profit sometimes. And then, of course, politicians come along and say, oh, they're making millions of dollars and they've got 40 percent returns and we need to hike their taxes and have windfalls, you know, ignoring the fact that maybe in two years they'll lose money for three or four or five years in a row. Um, so you see less fracking going. You're going to see more fracking probably, right, because of the increase in natural gas prices and because you know, even possible shortages. The other thing is that the public policy direction of the current uh, uh, governor has been more hostile to fracking than in the past, and I think that's probably also a detriment. Okay. So we're going to see rising gas prices yeah. here. Okay, so then uh, let me go back to the next door, right? 60% they're saying, I mean, this is just someone's conjecture. Yeah. I mean, what's that look like? I mean, do you shop for natural gas? I mean, I know you're an economist, but I'm asking like a consumer well, sure. awareness. Yeah, as a matter of fact, when in an earlier phase of my career, I ran a think tank, the Allegheny Institute. We actually had a center uh, for competitive markets and through that center helped write the public policy for Pennsylvania, which allowed you to choose different natural gas um, I see, providers, really? right, as, long, as well as different electricity providers. Now, that doesn't stop you from a general price hike, right? And right. when natural gas prices are going up, you know, competition doesn't doesn't mean someone can come along and, you know, sell for much, much less. It just means it doesn't go up as much. So this is a budgeting situation. I mean, what do you do? You, you pay it, right? Uh, yeah, but what you, what you probably do is you conserve more. And everybody knows how to do that, right? Like I, I realized, I talked to uh, Susan a couple of days ago. I thought, you know what? I need to go and get the big, thick plastic thing that goes up at the top of the second floor up, up above the attic 
that keeps the cold air from you know coming down from the attic, which is leakier. And we're going to have to do go to the trouble of you know putting all the insulation there. We have insulation with the house, but also around the windows. You have to go to the trouble of doing that. Right. And also, you maybe have to adjust your concept of what's um what's cold, what's too cold, or what's not. And maybe wear a sweater indoors. I don't want to sound like Jimmy Carter uh, saying you have to wear the sweater, but see, I'm, what I'm saying is, if you have bad public policy. Middle class poor people yeah. and poor people have to wear a sweater. Mm-hmm. Now, I would rather have good public policy and have natural gas aplenty inexpensively, and you don't have to do that. But that's the choice. That, those are the choices that we've made politically. Right. Uh, because we fell for what I think are really apocalyptic claims about the risk of climate change uh, based more on fear than on reality. Um, based on politicians who thought we could disobey the laws of supply and demand, who promised magic, and we believed them. Uh, resentment against energy companies, because it's easy to say oil companies, blah, 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 and, and hate them and envy them. Okay, great. This is this is the world that we create when we give into that. Okay, so then solar energy, wind farms, and we're being sold electric cars, all those, you know, oh, this is the future, not necessarily like the savior people are, are touting them to be. Well, electric cars are just coal burners, yeah, coal and oil yeah. burners. I, it's so odd to me that people call them, these, them zero emission. It's just the emission takes place Elsewhere. someplace else, yeah. right? And then uh, uh, in electric infrastructure, an already overtaxed grid, takes the electricity from the coal-fired or the natural gas or the oil-fired plant and brings it to you at some loss of the electricity because electricity – doesn't you know doesn't move perfectly frictionlessly it's not a superconductor you lose some of that so there's some inefficiency built into that and the other thing is you know some of the environmental issues with electric cars are pretty terrible yeah um some of those rare earths that your caller mentioned before some of those you know uh that were dependent on china for and that are high highly toxic um there's a lot of mining in the supply chain some of it done by child labor that might be cancer causing. So you might feel really like virtue signaling when you get into your electric car because no one can see the coal or the child cancer in the supply chain. Uh, But if you're really taking this seriously, you stop for a moment and say, you know, am I really counting the cost? Am I really being better than anybody else? And just just in terms of grown up thinking, I mean, does anyone seriously think if we all of a sudden had half of the cars in America, not even all of a sudden, over 10 or 15 or 20 years uh, took half of the cars in America to electricity. Does anyone think our electric grid could handle that? No. no. We no. still have well, – yeah, in, the, in, the, in the summer, when everyone has their air conditioner on, we get brownouts and blackouts. Yep. Think about how much more a car has to do in terms of energy, yeah. moving tons for you know, 10, 20 miles compared to an air conditioner. And do we really think our electric grid can handle that? No, but we're engaged in magical thinking. And, um, and I think magical thinking is what happens when you're not engaged in biblical thinking, which emphasizes prudence and wisdom and trade-offs and self-restraint. And then we'll give in to whatever promises politicians can make or the manipulations of the ruling class. But this is going to be forced upon us, this, this lack of prudence, lack of wisdom. I mean, California has already said by 2035, no uh, no gas-powered vehicles, new vehicles are going to be sold in their state. Here it comes. I, I know. It's unbelievable. Although I might question forced upon us because, you know, California elected its government. 
Um, right. So it ultimately, I understand that there's also sort of like more permanent government, you know, like civil service and bureaucracy, et cetera. But they're appointed ultimately by elected officials. We got we get the government we want. And what I would say as a Christian is we get the government that happens when we don't fully witness to a biblical worldview um, and give people the ability to engage in critical thinking and have biblical wisdom about these issues. So we will have crisis after crisis, whether it's an energy crisis here or an energy crisis in Europe, um, which happened because Europe traded Christianity for Gaia worship. That made them vulnerable to that. And a Ukrainian crisis that came, frankly, because earlier generations of Americans uh, thought gave into a utopian idea that this is the end of history. Democracy had won. There aren't going to be any more wars. And so we had unrealistic ideas about the vulnerability of Ukraine and the possible future aggression of Russia. And so various kinds of utopian thinking, which the Bible is hostile to. The Bible is hostile to the idea that you know, politicians can get rid of risk and evil in the world. Only God is sovereign, and we live in a fallen world. And by God's grace, we can mitigate some of that fallenness. You know, we sweat, we sweat by our brow, but you can have some air conditioning, at least when you don't have a brownout, to get rid of some of that. But it has a more constrained, realistic view. But we, we didn't go that way. And so every crisis that I see that's in the news right now is a crisis that was created when somebody set aside biblical wisdom for some form of the idea of utopianism by expert and central planning elites. Excellent. Jerry, while we're talking about uh, winter and economics and all that sort of stuff, um, I was sitting here, I think it was maybe last Thursday, when the Wall Street Journal alert came on my iPad during the show and it said that we have officially entered a bear market. Um, is that the kind of thing that can, like, is that a state that one moves into? Like, is there a, a line of demarcation? It's one of those things um, where some arbitrary number, I think it's negative 20 percent um, for a major index, uh, makes it a bear market. Like like if your if your portfolio was down 19 percent, eh, you know, then it goes down another percent. What? <laughs> it's a bear market. Right. Uh, and and then next door will tell you there's a bear sighting in the neighborhood. Oh, no, a bear. You and to you're going to have to call me because you don't know your access. Exactly. Is there really a bear? Oh, no, Jerry. They went on to say bear market. Right. Um, Kathy Evans um, will know. Just call her. Right. She'll know. So, I mean, it's a little bit like the definition of a recession. A lot of people that people ask me this all the time. Are we in a recession? Are we going into a recession? And my answer is generally I don't really care that much. Um, if the definition of a recession is two quarters in a row of negative economic growth, well, let's say it's negative 0.001 and then negative 0.001. And then the quarter after that, it's up 6% and up 6%. Oh, that's not so bad. Uh, but if you grow like half a percent, half a percent, half a percent, half a percent, half a percent for two years, that's okay because it's not a recession. These arbitrary numbers are more things about headlines mm. than they are about economic reality. So um, people know that they've lost money, probably, um, if they're you know in the stock market and even in the bond market. And that's something that's, I think, particularly painful for people because a lot of people had the idea that you can't really lose money right. in the bond market because you get interest payments. Yeah, but the price, the value of the bonds fluctuates. So that can go down. And I have been warning for like a decade about this. All the older people 
whose financial advisors say, well, if once you get to a certain age, you got to put 50% and then 60% and then 70% into bonds so you'll be nice and safe. Doesn't feel safe. No. Um, so, so, so it's it's painful. But I kind of want to go zoom out, big picture, right? Which is, well, why do we have this? Well, we have this because we had a bubble. So, if we just talk about the bear market, which is the bursting of a bubble, and we don't talk about the bubble, we're really missing, you know, an important part of it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, why did we have a bubble? Oh, well, we had a bubble because we created this institution the Federal Reserve Bank, we gave them incredible power when we created them. Then over the decades, we kept giving them more power decade after decade. And then during the fear and terror of the Great Recession, we gave them power beyond anything they'd ever had before. Because when we're frightened, we say, save us, Caesar. Um, and so we gave them enormous amounts of power. And then we had a pandemic. And instead of our public health officials saying, okay, we've got a pandemic and it's deadly, but we're going to balance this against other risks because if we shut the economy down, we're going to get more suicide and we're going to get more addiction. Instead, we had very, very broad shutdowns, which caused the economy to seriously contract. So the central bank came along and produced just enormous amounts of money. And that pushed up the stock and bond markets. Um, and so at some point when they're pushing that enormous amount of money into the economy, that's too much money chasing too few goods and it causes inflation. And then they've got a pretty tough choice. Well, we can fight inflation by pulling money out of the economy, but it's going to cause, we're going to pop the bubble and we're probably going to get a recession or we might be, um, or we're going to get a bear market. So right now we're in that area of every week the fed is trying to say well which thing are we going to do this week are we going to fight inflation or are we going to avoid a recession well i want to zoom out and say okay there's cause and effect here and the cause is the creation of the bubble based on the violation of a principle of unjust weights and measures the bible says unjust differing weights and measures are a to toba an abomination we have adopted that abomination practice, according to the Bible, constantly fluctuating value of money based on really special interest groups. And we've said, oh, that's just the way things work in the modern world. And it created a bubble. And now we have the painful contraction of the bubble popping. Hmm. Hey, Jer, always you, a Jer. pleasure. Thank, Thank you, you so much. Really, our time is ever so short, but it's a chock full of a lot of different things here. Wonderful. Thanks so much. Oh, my pleasure. God bless. Our pleasure. Jerry, uh, Jerry Boyer, the podcast wherever your podcasts are, Meeting of Minds, Jerry Boyer, or his book, The Maker Versus the Takers, what Jesus really said about social justice and economics. Check them out. Today's Fort Lauderdale forecast, beautiful, especially for your business. Here, growth opportunities in tech, life sciences, aviation, and financial services are as great as the weather. With one of the top business climates in the country, over 6 million people, and zero state income tax, there's no place under the sun better for you and your business. Learn more from the Greater Fort Lauderdale Alliance at lesstaxing.com. Because life in Greater Fort Lauderdale truly is life less taxing.